Amen. Wonderful, church. That's good. Love it. We want to be a church of not only the Word, but a church of worship. And we want you all to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ to be worshipers. And a main part of that is singing. So encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ to join us in the auditorium in the cafeteria on Tuesday and Sundays and sing to the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 10, we are continuing our series in the book of Second Timothy. Paul wrote this right at the end of his life as he was getting ready to pass into eternity. He's writing this to a young uh, disciple of Jesus Christ who is going through a lot of suffering and trial, and he's, he's about ready to, to give up. He's about ready to throw in the towel, and, and Paul is just full of just wanting to just share with Timothy the truth of God that will keep him on the right path and help Timothy to finish strong and to finish well. Because as we've said throughout this study, it's not as important how we start the race as it is we finish. And Paul wants us to finish strong. God wants us to finish our, our Christian life and this journey on earth in a strong way. That's, that's how Paul left this earth. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I competed well, I finished the race, I kept the faith. And not all Christians can say that. So 2 Timothy is really a, a prescription from the Apostle Paul himself to every Christian about how we can finish strong in the Christian life. How we can cross the finish line and, and, and live it well. Because many Christians start their Christian life well, but somewhere along the line, they get off track. They get sidetracked. They get distracted. And so we've been studying how, how to prevent that, how to keep ourselves staying the course. And once again, Paul's going to share with us Great truth that, that hopefully will encourage us to stay on the course, and it's primarily going to center around one thing, and we've already talked and touched on this, so important, the unsurpassing greatness of God's Word. Paul's going to remind us today that no Christian is ever going to be able to finish their Christian life well. No Christian is ever going to be able to stay the course of their Christian life if they don't have a healthy relationship with the Bible, if we are not saturating ourselves and in a sense soaking ourselves in the Word of God. And so that's what Paul's going to talk to us about today. Hopefully all of us will be encouraged to, to strengthen our relationship with the Bible and maybe even see the Bible in, in a different way than we ever have before. And I realize, especially at the Oasis, I'm talking to people who love God's Word because that's one of the reasons you're here. You want to be part of a church where you are being taught verse by verse the Word of God and where you're growing in your understanding and insight into God's Word. But all of us, no matter how long we have studied God's Word, no matter how long we read God's Word, meditate on it, memorize it, all of us can always use sort of a, a new, a renewed perspective on the unsurpassing greatness of God's Word. Notice how Paul starts out in verse 10. After he talked last week about how difficult the last days would be, 
and how Christians need to rise to the occasion through the strength that only God can provide to be able to deal with the unique challenges of the last days. Paul now contrasts that with Timothy. And he says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance as well as the persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, in Iconium, and in Lystra. I endured these persecutions, and the Lord delivered me from them all. Paul is saying to Timothy, the reason that you have done what you've done up to this point, that you allowed God to use me so much in your life, and that you were willing to closely follow me and in a sense become a a disciple of mine and be mentored by me. The reason you did all that and went to the extent you did was because the Word of God taught you to do that. that. That you were being gripped and guided by God's Word. That's why you were different up to this point. That's why you followed me so closely. That's why you paid such close attention to my life and you used my walk with God as an inspiration, a motivation, an example to you because that's what the Word of God taught you to do. And you were willing to surrender, to submit to the authority of God's Word. Your view of God's Word was this. If God said it, then I need to do it. I need to do it. I I need to recognize that that when God is, is saying this in His Word, these aren't just mere suggestions from God. These are commands. These are these are life changing things that that will keep my life on course and help me to finish well. And so Paul is just reminding Timothy, this is how you've lived your life up to this point since you received Christ. And you were willing to identify with me and allow me to teach you, and train you, and disciple you, and you poured your all into it, even to the point of following me when it got tough. When suffering and persecution and all of that became a major part of it. Many others dropped out, and again, dropped away from that. Because once it got a little hard, then they weren't willing to continue. But... Timothy did. And so Paul is commending Timothy and saying, here's why you've arrived up to this point, Timothy. Because you allowed the Word of God to be the authority of your life. You didn't view this book as just the words of men. You viewed it as God specifically speaking to you and telling you how you should live your life and how you can finish well. And so you've You've embraced it up to this point. And then, in verse 12, he says, Now, in fact, all who want to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, and evil people and charlatans will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived themselves. In these two verses now, Paul is saying to Timothy again, Timothy, here's why you need to continue to be gripped and guided by God's word alone. Because you've had to deal with some tough times sort of being my protege 
Uh, being in my shadow, we've had to go through a lot. But Timothy, I'm getting ready to go into eternity. I'm getting ready to go to heaven. And when I leave you behind, things aren't going to get easier, Timothy. Not just because you and I aren't going to be together anymore, but because, again, the character of the days in which we live are only going to get more and more challenging. And Paul is reminding Timothy, Timothy, if your passion is to be godly, and that simply means that that we want to live every day in reverential awe and out of respect for God, then notice what Paul says. You and I as Christians will be persecuted. Will be persecuted. In other words, a Christian cannot seek to be godly and live for God and put God first in their life and have a passion for God and not expect persecution. And what ends up getting Christians then off track, not willing to stay the course, is because it starts to get hard to be a Christian. It starts to get hard. The the higher our commitment to Christ goes, the more persecution is going to come. And unless I am willing to say that this book alone is my influence, that this alone is my authority, that this alone is my standard, then when persecution comes into my life, I won't stay the course. I won't finish well. Jesus said the same thing. If you remember the the parable of the soils, where Jesus says, hey, be careful of what kind of soil is, in a sense, your heart's condition is when you hear the word of God. Because Jesus says there will be many who will initially embrace the word of God. The, The word of God, the seed will sink down a little bit. But then remember what Jesus said? Persecution and trial will come. And what does Jesus say is going to happen? Those people, that that seed that didn't really get rooted and didn't go down deep enough and and it, it really wasn't sunk down as deep as it could have or should have been, there's no fruit after a while. He says they reject the word. They don't stay the course. They don't continue to grow in the faith. They become part of this large group of Christians down through history that are the used-to-be's. They used to come to church. They used to read their Bible. They used to pray. They used to seek to worship God. They used to serve God. But not any longer. See, Paul is saying to Timothy, the reason why we've got to view God's Word in a proper way The reason we've got to continue to live our Christian life being gripped by God's word and guided by God's word alone is because tough times will come, especially the more godly we seek to be. The pressure is not going to get easier. The pressure to give in to the world, to the flesh and to Satan will continue to increase. And unless you and I are strong enough from within through our relationship with this book, we will never stay the course. We will never finish the race. We will become distracted by other things. We will get off course and we won't finish well. And then Paul says, and Timothy, The reason why we've got to become so familiar with God's word 
is because we are going to live in an age of unbelievable spiritual deception. Paul says it there in verse 13. He says, deceivers and evil people, people who are harmful and hurtful and who seek to mislead others and lead them into error and what is false rather than truth. He said it's only going to increase. It's going to go from bad to worse. And he says, not only are they going to deceive others, they're going to actually become self-deceived themselves. And we're going to live up until the time of Jesus coming back. A time of increasing, increasing spiritual deception. And unless Christians have unbelievable discernment, discernment that only comes from this book, then Paul says, you'll never stay the course. Because some form of error, some form of not truth is going to influence you and going to get you off track. See, in a sense, Paul is trying to help Timothy see the Christian life as like a runner in an Olympic race. And he's simply saying to Timothy and to us, the only way as a runner, I'm going to stay in my lane and I'm going to finish well is through this. That's it. Because there's so much deception out there. And there's so much persecution that's coming on those who truly want to live godly. That being gripped and guided by God's word is our only answer. We know this to be true because all through the Bible, we see the pattern of even how Satan approaches us to try to get us off course. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and and the serpent's interaction with Eve, what was his strategy? He began to question the word of God and he began to twist the word of God. Did God really say, Eve, that if you eat of that tree, that this will happen? And then remember, he even challenges God's word by saying, you're not going to die. And his strategy is the same today. Why? Because it worked. And it's worked down through history. And that's why if we're not continually gripped and guided by the word of God, then all the error and deception out there is somewhere along the line going to trip us up, distract us, get us off course. And instead of being able to stay the course and finish strong, We veer off course. And it not only, as we talked about last week, really destroys our lives, but it destroys other people's lives as well. That's why the key verse in this whole passage we're going to look at today is really verse 14. Please look at it carefully with me. In contrast to all this, here again is what Paul tells Timothy. You, however, in other words, Timothy, you got to be different. You, however, must, must, it is absolutely a necessity, continue in the things you have learned and are confident about. That's the key to the whole passage. Because like many others, Paul knew that up to this point in Timothy's life, He was on track. He followed Paul. He he did what the Bible was teaching him to do. And he was responding to it. He was submitting to it. He was staying on course. 
But like we all know, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees to us. There's no guarantees to others that we're going to continue. And Paul's simply saying, Timothy, Timothy, you must stay the course. You must continue. And notice, he says to Timothy, you must continue within the things you've learned. You must continue within the boundaries of what God's word says and what God's word prescribed. If you get outside of those boundaries, in a sense, if you cross your lane into another lane, you will be disqualified. It won't go well with you, Timothy. You must continue in the things that you have learned. Again, the word continue just simply means to abide or to remain. By the way, the word learned means a willingness to be taught. One of the great things about Timothy was he was teachable. Many Christians today can't be taught anything and feel like they've got this book. You know, they've got it down. They know enough. They don't need to learn or be taught anymore, which is a very dangerous place to be as well. Here may be the key, verse 14. Not only to continue in the things that you've learned, but the things that you have become confident about. In other words, Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, the only way you're going to stay the course and finish well, as well as every other Christian, is to not only be gripped and guided by God's word, but to allow God's word to develop your own personal convictions about things. Because we can't live off of other people's convictions. We have got to develop our own personal convictions based upon our own personal relationship, study, familiarization with the Word of God ourselves. Because it won't work for us if we're trying to live off somebody else's convictions. If it's what they believe and what they're confident about, but we're not really as sure and confident about, then when times get tough, when we begin to get persecuted, when deception is out there in all forms and all these voices are coming at us, if we are not living by our own personal spiritual convictions that have been based on our own relationship with God's Word, again, We won't stay the course. We won't stay the course. We won't finish well. And here's the thing. This is the reality we need to admit in this room. We need to admit there are no guarantees. Just because you and I are maybe on course now doesn't mean a month from now, a year from now, even a week from now, that we're going to stay on course. Because the only thing that keeps us on course all the way through the time where we leave this earth and meet Jesus in heaven is to continue every day of our lives to be gripped and guided by God's word alone. Anything else. And I guarantee it, not again based upon my own opinion, but based upon what God says. We will not be able to stay the course and finish well apart 
from a healthy relationship with God's word. Notice what he says to Timothy at the end of verse 14 into verse 15. He says, you also know who taught you. There's something about knowing how God changed the life of the one teaching you and how God was changing the life of the ones teaching you that you saw the reality of God's word in their life. It wasn't just do what I say. It was you see the difference that God's word is making in my life. And so there was that reality there. And then he tells Timothy in verse 15, and how from infancy you have known the holy writings, the scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let me stop there. I need to make a very important point. One of the reasons that we have the philosophy we do of our children's ministry One of the reasons why Crystal and all those workers over there right now and on Tuesday nights get even the youngest children into the Bible. Folks, they're not just being played with and entertained and passing time with over there. They're being taught the scriptures. It's because the Bible says that whether we realize it or not, from infancy... Kids can grasp the truth of God's word. And people today don't believe that. Let me tell you why. Because there are churches today built on the fact that adults can't even understand the word of God. So we've got to try to, you know, we've got to try to change God's word and somehow make it a little bit more uh, agreeable and palatable because... They'll never be able to understand it. They'll never be able to grasp it. They're not even Christians yet. So we've got we to change the message in order to make it more acceptable and palatable. No, you don't. You have no idea what you're holding in your hands if you have that kind of an attitude. This is the Word of God. It is supernatural. This is not man's book. These are not man's ideas. This is God speaking to us. And he can speak into the life of even an infant through his word. Which means he can speak to anyone. Did he not speak to a donkey? Did he not speak to a a great fish to swallow up Jonah? God can use his word in any way he pleases. He used his word to create the entire universe and put it into existence. Sorry. I'm not, no, I'm not sorry, but anyway. And notice what Paul says. Don't miss this. When Paul says how from infancy you've known the holy writings which are able. Don't pass over the word able. It means to have inherent power. In other words, Paul is saying, you realize because this isn't man's word, this is God's word, that the word itself, unlike any other book, this book, the Bible, contains inherent power within it. 
just because of who said it, God. That's why the Bible says of itself, the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, even into the joints and marrow of the bones, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of a human heart. Hebrews chapter 6. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The word of God contains within it, just because it is God's word, power. And anytime you and I or anyone else exposes ourselves to this book, we are exposing ourselves to the power of God within this book. And then he said, it's able to give you wisdom. The word means supernatural insight. If you and I want discernment, insight, we want to see things and have a whole new perspective, it's through continually being gripped and guided by God's Word. It is able to give you wisdom for salvation. And don't just define salvation here as, well, it's got what, what, it, what we need to get us to a point where we admit we're a sinner and where we need Jesus Christ and where we accept Him as our Savior. That's great. But folks, that's not the total embodiment of the teaching of salvation in Scripture. As we've said before, from Scripture, salvation is not only being saved from the penalty of sin when I accept Christ as my Savior. Salvation is also being saved throughout my Christian life from the very power of sin and one day being saved from the very presence of sin when I'm glorified in heaven with Jesus. And so salvation, the word embodies all of it, if you will. And so he's simply saying, this book not only gives us insight into knowing what we need to do to become a Christian, but how we should live the Christian life and how we can stay the course until we meet Jesus. It gives us that kind of insight. It has that kind of power. Do we really believe that? And then in these last verses, here's where Paul really says, Here's where we've got to come back to, folks. Because we won't, as Christians, truly allow the Word of God to have the authority in our lives and to truly grip us and guide us if we really don't understand what we hold in our hands. If we really don't believe what Paul's about to say. So here's where Paul goes, verse 16. Every scripture is inspired by God. First of all, when he says every, it not only means every portion of Scripture, it means every part of Scripture. It means every word of Scripture. It means every letter of Scripture. It even means the accent marks that God used in Scripture. That's why Jesus says, don't even mess with the jot or the tittle. Because it was all inspired by God. Not just certain parts. That's why, again, it's very dangerous and destructive when people approach this book and say, well, you know what? I like that page. I'll buy into that. But what that's saying? Nah. I reject that. See, It's indivisible, folks. 
God said it all. Every portion, every part from Genesis to Revelation, this is all, every scripture, God's word. And we reject any part of this to our own peril. And when we don't have that kind of attitude, again, we will never allow the word of God to be the final authority in our life. We'll, we'll do what people, many do today, people who profess to be Christians and even Christians themselves, they'll reason. Well, I know that's what God says, but... See, if God said it, there should never be a but. It should be, if this is what God said, then somehow I need to arrange myself under what God said. No excuses, no rationalization. This is what God said. And the word inspired, literally in the Greek language, means God breathed. Every scripture, every portion, every word, every letter, every part of scripture has been God breathed. Let me say a couple things about that. If you want to live your life every day feeling the breath of God on your shoulders as you go through the day, then soak yourself in the Word of God. Saturate yourself with God's Word. Open yourself up to God's Word and allow the Bible to grip you and guide you. Because God literally will, you will sense Him in a way you won't sense Him any other way. You'll know He's near. You'll know He's present with you. Because the very breath of God will be on you as you live your life based upon the fact that you're living by the word of God. God breathed it. And go back, keep your finger in 2 Timothy and go all the way back to the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible to chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. When Paul says every scripture is God-breathed, it literally means to blow out and blow into. And there's only two things the Bible says that God ever blew out and blew into. The first one is found in Genesis 2, 7. Look at what it says with me. The Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Folks, the only two things the Bible says God ever blew out and blew into were human beings and his word. That's it. He blew into you his breath and he created you a living soul to have a relationship with him, your creator. And the only other thing God ever blew out and blew into is this book. I think that tells us then how God feels about people and the value that he places on us and the value that he places on this book. Back to 2 Timothy. 
Every scripture is inspired by God and useful. Now notice, it's not inspired because it's useful, which is how many people view the Bible today. Yeah, it's an inspirational book, man. It just inspires me every once in a while. No, it's useful because it's inspired by God. And the word useful is a really interesting word. It literally means to be able to get to my intended goal. In other words, Paul's saying, Timothy, you want to finish the Christian life and finish the race like I did? You want to finish well? You want to stay the course? You want to stay in your lane? Just remember, every scripture is inspired by God. You want God to breathe on you every day? You want God's word to carry you through? You want God's word to grip you and guide you? Then know this, it is inspired. It is powerful. And then he gives Timothy several things it is useful and bring us to our intended goal for. For teaching, meaning the content of teaching. How sad today that you go to church today and that somehow it's unusual when the Bible is taught. Whenever Paul says, God intended for his supernatural work and book to be the content of all teaching amongst Christians. Second, it's useful for reproof. The word literally means to bring to light. Think of God's word as an x-ray. God gives us his word so that if we expose our life to it, it can show us the things that need corrected. Then he says for correction, because God's not just one to point out, hey, Jeff, you know, that area of your life, you, you need, to, need to change something there. Here, here's something that's hurting you and hurting others. You need to correct that. But God's word also gives us the means of how to correct it. It's like, it's not just enough to have an x-ray on my life and go, oh, I got something wrong internally here. I need surgery. But in a sense, it gives every Christian the knowledge to know, how do I do that? How do I change that? How do I make this situation better? The Word of God gives us that ability through correction. The word correction here literally means to straighten to restore or to repair. It was a word used in Paul's day for medical people. You you come in, you have something wrong. Here's how to repair that. Here's how to make that better. So the Word of God not only tells us what's off, if you will, what's dislocated, what's broken, but tells us how to restore it and repair it. And then he goes on also, it's for training in righteousness. Think of the Bible as your own personal spiritual trainer. You know, many people today have, you know, physical trainers to help them and motivate them and inspire them and keep them on the right track so that they get in better shape and stay in shape and stay fit. Well, Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, you want to stay fit? You want to get into better spiritual shape? You want to be in good spiritual health? Let this book grip you and guide you. It is your own personal spiritual trainer from God. 
It will train you every day. It'll put you through a workout. And man, yeah, just like physically, after you exercise, you might be, oh man, that, that you know, I don't, but it's getting you to the goal. It's getting you and I to the goal. So that the person dedicated to God, verse 17, may be capable and equipped for every good work. Not just some good works. And by the way, the words good work just seems being fruitful. Being beneficial. Being profitable to others. You want to be fruitful? Then notice what Paul says about the book. He says that this book, the Bible, has been designed by God to be able to completely outfit us and fully furnish and supply us with everything we need. That talks about the sufficiency of the Bible. The words that Paul uses there in verse 17, capable and equipped, would be words that we would use maybe if you were going on a camping trip or going on some, some outdoor adventure. Say you were going whitewater rafting maybe down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. And obviously before you start that adventure, you need to make sure that you've got all the equipment and, and if something goes wrong and, and, and haywire during the trip, I, I need all this stuff with me in order to successfully make it down the river and get to my destination. Paul's saying, Christian, that's the way you and I need to view the Bible. The Bible will give you everything, everything you need. It, God hasn't like, well, here's this, and then later on in your Christian life, then you're going to need to think about adding this and then taking this along. No. When we have this, Paul says, you have been completely outfitted. You have been fully furnished and supplied with everything you need. Outside of using these words in in a context of sort of outdoor adventure, these words were also used in music. Describing a conductor who would make sure that everyone in the orchestra, so to speak, had been given all their instruments and that they had everything they needed to put on a great symphony. Paul says, that's what God's given you, Christian. You can be fruitful. You can finish well. You can stay the course. If you and I continually allow God's word to grip us and guide us every day. What's our view of the Bible? Do we as Christians today really believe that every scripture is inspired by God? Remember what Paul said to Timothy, key verse of this passage today. Timothy, you must continue in the things you've learned. So many Christians started off well, and the Bible was, man, it was, it was part of their life. But somewhere along the line, this book didn't become as authoritative and as important and as necessary as it always was. And as soon as that happens, Christians start to get off course and become weaker and weaker and weaker. In closing today, I'd like to leave you with these two thoughts. How then can I as a Christian, knowing there's no guarantees, Any of us might not continue in the things we've learned. We all have that choice. How can I at least sort of 
build into my life something that might at least help prevent that from happening? What can I do? Two things come to mind. First is this. And I always encourage Christians with this. No matter how you feel, every day, get up and do something with this book. I don't care whether you don't feel like it or not. Because again, this book has inherent power. If you just expose yourself to it, it's going to work. Whether you feel like it, whether you even want it to or not. It will work if you expose yourself to this. And so all I encourage Christians is just develop the discipline of getting up every day. And even if it's just a verse a day, don't worry about trying to read whole chapters or whole books. No, it's more important to be consistent and to develop the discipline in our lives to do something in God's word every day than to do three chapters one day and then go a whole week before you ever open up this book again. Consistency is more important. So my encouragement is you want to continue, develop that discipline in your life. That no matter how you feel, no matter how busy you are, no matter what you've got on your schedule, that you always develop the discipline that I'm going to get into the Bible in some way every day, whether I feel like it or not. And the second thing, surround yourself with Christians who are being gripped and guided by God's word. Because at least... If you're around other Christians who are allowing God's word, that kind of influence and authority in their life, then that's certainly going to encourage you to do the same thing and to stay on it. But if you start surrounding yourself with Christians who never read the Bible, don't even care to study the Bible, their relationship with the Bible is some distant, obscure, I I can't understand it, I don't even know what God's saying to me type of book, then don't be surprised if eventually you start to go off course too. Because you and I can't surround ourselves with people who could care less about the book of God and not think somehow that that's going to not influence us as well. That's part of the reason why we want to build this church upon the word of God and and develop and create a group of brothers and sisters in Christ where we're allowing the word of God to grip us and guide us so that we can mutually encourage each other to stay on course and continue in the things we do. God is strong, folks. And one of the great ways that he infuses his strength into us every day is through his inspired God-breathed word that he blew out and blew into. Let's pray. God, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for giving us this book that will completely outfit us, fully furnish and supply us with everything we need for every good work in our life. If we truly want to be godly and stand up to persecution, if we truly want to be able to discern all the deception around us, if we want to be fruitful, if we want to finish well and stay on course in our Christian life, then we must continue in the things that we have learned. And have become confident about. Today God. Do a work with your people today. And may each of us here. Make a renewed commitment in our life. 
to the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.